0: There's a little phrase, I live in Fishhook, and I travel through to Googs every second day, and there's a a little hymn that I find myself often singing, and it says, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Know that one? Blessings all mine and 10,000. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And when I was thinking about what I wanted to share with you guys today, I thought I was going to share on Moses. And actually I said to George, I'll share on Moses. By the way, George is not just staying away because I'm speaking. He's at uh, Church on the Way up in Kloof. Let's just pray for them. I don't know where they are in their service right now. Father, I thank you for George. And I ask, Lord, that you would empower him in such extraordinary ways. I thank you for your protection on him, your grace to fill him, your wisdom to overflow in his life. And Lord, we pray for the church on the way up in Kloof, and we say more. Let your kingdom come, and let your will be done up in Kloof. In Jesus' name, amen. But I was chatting with George, and I kind of said, well, I think I'm going to speak on Moses. Moses. And then yesterday, God very, very clearly said to me, I want you to speak on hope. And so that is what I am so excited and delighted to be able to share with you today. So let's just put our hands out before God and just, you know, I love what Julian was saying, you know, just receiving, just receiving from him. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, more and more of you. It was a young guy, who was sitting in the corner over there earlier on. Ah, hello, sweetheart. I, I looked at you as you were sitting over there, and I felt God say that there is a real David heart on you. And I don't say that lightly, but I feel there's something about God's um, putting within you that David heart. David didn't get everything right all the time. But one of the things that I see in David, David's life, which was just extraordinary, was that he was kind of alone for a really long period of time, and then God brought him into a place of prominence. But in those sort of hidden away times, that's where he knew how to understand the wisdom and the grace and the strength and the power and the invasion of God in his life. And I just sense for you that God is saying, you know, you may be sitting in a corner now as a young guy, and I just, I was actually watching you for a little bit of time, and I just just saw this oil on you, this grace upon grace upon grace upon you. And David was anointed. And I just sense for you that there's going to be a development in your life where David was anointed, and then there was a period of waiting Didn't kind of step into all God had for him straight away. There was a period of waiting. Then he became king over Judah. And then there was a period of waiting and then he became king over Israel. And I just sense for you that God says, in the waiting, I'm forming and shaping. Don't try and run ahead of me. Don't try and be anything that you're not, but allow me to shape you and form me. Consider these things in your heart. Hide these things in your heart. And I think that God's going to bring around you wise guys who will be able to just help you craft all that God is placing within you. And so don't be afraid of it. You'll grow into it okay? Don't try and be anybody that you're not. Just be the best expression of who God's made you to be, all right? But there's an anointing on you that's uh, it's super cool. And so, yeah, and you'll begin to grow into all God has for you. So you're a man who's going to grow in stature, see you as a tall guy who's able to see far, but go deep. And you're such a gentle chap. You're not, you know, you're not you're not a Big, loud mouth. But God says, actually, don't hide in your shyness because there's a whole lot of his powerful grace. David was a king. He was a prophet. And he was kind of dabbled in the priesthood as well. So that's, I just see that over you. All right, sweetheart. Yay for you. And then, uh, the, I've forgotten his name. Nick, where are you, Nicholas? Nicholas. Has he gone off for a coffee? Oh, shame for him. He's just missed out. Never mind. I will give it to him personally. But I also felt, James, for you and Danny, how exciting that God has brought the two of your lives together. But, James, I just sense that there's this um, transition coming for you, change is coming for you. Uh, and there's some new developments. You've not only had to step into marriage, which is fun. Who gets the lion's share of the bed? But you, you do. Yay for you. But I just sense that God is saying, actually, he's given you the, the ability to see in design and construct, and that he's going to increase that in you. And actually, um, there's, there's some changes coming in your life, some repositioning for you and for you to be, you know, be ready for that. But I sense Danny's going to sing some songs of deliverance that are going to really break open areas. But for the two of you, you're going to walk through doors of favor, and uh, I don't only see it in the kind of church context and the music context. I think it's in your job. There's going to be some real aspects of incredible favor over you. And God's going to bring men around you who are just going to understand what's in your heart. they are going to see God's call on your life, even if they're not yet Christians, and begin to place you in a place where you will thrive like a well-watered garden. So I just, I just want to bless you with that, James. Yay. Oh, isn't God good, eh? Isn't God good? Just take a few seconds. Lorna. thank you that you speak to every one of us. There's some prophetic words that come, but you, you speak to us. You speak to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. The lady over there, and she's got a mustard and a little scarf around her neck. Sweetheart, I just get this little phrase for you, joy comes in the morning. And there have been some situations around you that have caused you to question and just be a little bit kind of downcast. If I'm wrong, just kind of go like this, and then I can start now, stop now. But the Lord says, actually, joy comes in the morning. And I see that it's, there's been kind of a dark night for you, but the sun is beginning to rise with healing in his wings. And there's a season where it's joy that's going to strengthen you to be able to lift up your head again, to be able to laugh again, to be able to dream again. And God says, actually, those dreams are not going to be nightmares, but they're going to be filled with hope and grace and future. And so I just want to bless you with that. Is that your husband sitting next to you? Praise the Lord for that. But I just... I'm just sensitive. Just take hands. Father, I thank you for this couple over here. I thank you, Lord, that they don't kind of push themselves forward. They're not kind of big, hey, look at me now. But I thank you, what is hidden is coming into manifestation. I thank you for just, they will be carriers. You're going to be people who bring people into a place of peace. You are peace carriers. And um, because you know what it is to live in, in times of turmoil, God says, you're going to be peace carriers because God's going to invade your lives and invade your homes, your home with peace. And I just sense as well that God says you have very generous hearts. There's a generosity in you, and there's an increase of that generosity. So what you sow, and I'm not just talking financially here, what you sow, you are going to reap exponentially. So whatever you sow, you're going to be the benefactor, not other people being the benefactor. You're going to be the benefactor. And God says, actually, I give you permission to enjoy all those benefits. And so, Father, just thank you. Thank you for, for that. So grateful. Yeah, yeah. Some of you are looking at me going, please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. And Some of you are looking at me going, please pick me. Please pick me. No. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Go with your finger like this. Oh, you've just dropped your hand. You're going, oh, my God. <laughs> it's you. Yeah. How cool is that? It's you. Just relax. Yeah, Father, I thank you for this this precious lady. She's kind of sitting there thinking, what is happening here? Sweetheart, I'm not going to tell your fortune. But I am going to tell you that you are intensely loved by majesty, that when he shaped and formed you, he looked at you and he said, This is my daughter, in whom I am well pleased. And you may not get it all right. We never none of us do. But the Lord says this, your steps are ordered by him, even when you don't feel it. And there may be moments that you stumble, but he's going to uphold you. And those disappointments that have caused you to step back on your back foot, God says, actually, I'm going to steady you, because if you step too far back, you're going to fall. And I'm not going to allow you to fall. I'm going to hold you steady and strengthen you on the inside. God says there have been some deep things that you've cried for in the middle of the night. And there have been things that you've done war for in the middle of the night. God says, I've got it. I'm going to, I am, I just see him saying, I am the God who makes the way. Where it, you know, that we were singing that earlier on. You made a way where there was no way. And God says, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plow out a new way for you. And, uh, you know, you've been standing sort of this way and that way. God says, actually, just stand. Stand and be counted. I'm not going to cramp your style. I'm not trying to make you religious. I just want you to know that I am for you and not against you. And I've got such extraordinary things ahead of you. The old, all the pain and the various things that have happened in the past. God says, actually, that doesn't define what I'm going to do in and through you as you take some steps forward. So, sweetheart, Thank you for looking away because that's what made me look at you. Yeah, thank you, Lord. How kind is God, eh? How kind is God? Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. So that word hope is an incredible word. Definition of hope is this. A confident expectation of what God has promised and strength In his faithfulness. Isn't that cool? A confident expectation, tiptoe of expectation of what God has promised. You know, sometimes we know all the promises God has for us, and sometimes we're not even aware of what has been decreed over our lives in heaven. A confident expectation, even if I don't know it yet, God. I thank you that you've got it and strengthen his faithfulness. I have seen time and time again that God's promises absolutely are determined by us trusting in his strength because most of his promises make us scared to the very core of our being because it's vastly bigger than you and and, and me. And that's some synonyms for the word of hope is the word trust, anticipation, expectant patience, standing on tiptoe. I'm a short little person, so standing on tiptoe, I do, I've done that since I was a little girl. And we need to be those as men and women of God because his hope is for yesterday, his hope is for today, and his hope is for tomorrow. Now, the Hebrew word for hope is a very interesting word because it means accord, But I love this, it also means an anchor. And hope anchors us. Hope anchors us knowing who he is, and here's the important thing, and whose we are. So often we wanna know who we are instead of knowing whose we are. And so hope is critical in our lives it's not just a little added extra. That word hope has been so overused that it's kind of lost. We've, lost. we've become familiar with it that we've lost the fascination in what the truth of what that word means. And in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, it says, Now faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. And the symbol for faith is the cross. And I want to say, as we begin to look at hope, we have to look at the two sides of it, faith and love. And faith positions us. It positions us. It positions us before this outrageous, scandalous grace of the cross and what Jesus has done for us. I love the fact that there is nothing more I could do. There you are, Danny. Sorry, did you hear that word I had for you? How cool is that? Faith, there is nothing I can do to make God love me more or less. The enemy wants to get us twisted around that. So we look through a glass darkly and the cross becomes distorted. And there is, sorry, I'm shouting. I was doing it in the first service too. But we need to, we don't worship the cross We worship Jesus who died on that cross, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding on our behalf. And I am so excited about intercession because it's not about him going, oh, Father, please, you know, sorry about all their problems. Sorry about all the, get it wrong. His intercession goes like this. Hey, check him out. Isn't he a handsome little soul? I absolutely adore him. Hey, Papa, do you adore him too? Holy Spirit, tell him that we adore him. That's what intercession's all about. It's saying, come on, angels, cheer them on. Make them strong and courageous. Make them very strong and courageous. And so faith positions us. It is a finished work, faith. That's what it is. And I step into that finished work. And it's outrageously brilliant. I just turned 61. I know that's terribly, terribly young. And I tell you something, there is something stirring inside of me that I'm going, God, I just thank you so much. You are giving me life and life in abundance. And yes, the generations to come, I bless them. But I thank you, Lord, that it's not over for me. And it's not me having a midlife crisis. I've done that, been there and bought the T-shirt on that. But faith positions and hope anchors, hope anchors us in this crazy broken world that we live in. And it is a crazy broken world where we're tossed here and there. I don't know about you, but when I look at the television, as I look at all the media stuff, sometimes I just get fatigued. And sometimes because we've experienced so much, we get compassion fatigue. We just can't feel anything anymore. Whatever. Whatever. And hope anchors us. And love sustains us in every situation of our lives. The Trinity is dancing over us. The Father is sustaining us with his love and his protection. Jesus is sustaining us with his love and his passion. And the Holy Spirit is sustaining us with his love and his power, his power at work. And, beloved, that love never, ever fails. And so hope is not wishful thinking. It's not about someday in the sweet by and by. It's about now. It's about every second of every day. That's why I said it's not become familiar. Well, I hope it works out for you. I'm hoping that it won't rain tomorrow. I'm hoping I get some clients. We use it so glibly. But hope is not wishful thinking. Far more than that. You know, I see in our lives, and my notes have got all mucked up here from the first service, so bear with me. I'm just finding page two. Okay. We can do without food for one week. Well, some can. I don't know if I can, but you can do without food for one week or a little bit more. You can do without water for a few days. We can do without air for a few minutes. But I tell you something, we can't fully live without hope. We can't fully live without hope. Why? Because hope gives us that eternal perspective, that eternal perspective. don't know how many of you have ever heard of the guy called Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl wrote the the book called Man's Search for Meaning, and he was a neurologist and a psychiatrist. And during the last World War, he was interned in a death camp, Nazi death camp, And he was arrested actually for his faith. And he watched men live in such inhumane conditions as a Jewish man. Inhumane conditions. And he saw many stronger than him wither and die. And he goes on to say that he learned lessons about survival. And one of the key things that he observed was the power of hope. And if you didn't have hope, You didn't survive. And Viktor Frankl made this statement. He said, there's a prisoner who had lost faith in the future, his future. In other words, not just the future kind of out there, but his personal future. When a prisoner who had lost faith in the future, his future, who had lost faith, was doomed. And with his loss of belief in the future, wow, he also lost his spiritual hold. And he let himself decline and become subject to mental and physical decay. Isn't that incredible? And so the hope gives us that future. And hope anchors us in our spirits and our souls and our bodies. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Some of you may know hope. Others of you are um, new around here, so maybe you don't. I lost a very, very dear friend of mine in December to an incredible battle with cancer. Julia knew her well. Her name was Dee Harris. Dee was as tall and as thin as I am short and as I am short. And uh, and then I, th- there were three of us. We were called the Three Musketeers in Cape Town. There was Dee Harris. It was a woman called Teresa von Royen and myself, and the three of us were as tight as tight. And Teresa, um, at the beginning of the year, finished her job, went over to the UK to do some caring, and she phoned me while she was over there, and she said, I think I've got a hernia. Long story short, they found she had cancer, and it was aggressive, and she passed away in July this year. And so I saw two of my friends die two of my very close friends in a very short period of time. But I tell you something, I had conversations with both of them just before they died, and both of these amazing women died full of faith. Hope, listen to this carefully, hope is not about survival, but it's about eternity. Hope is not about survival. It's about eternity. And hope is not positive thinking, but permanent trust. It's not just positive thinking. But permanent trust and my soul is anchored in hope. My mind, my will and emotions as I watched both my friends pass from life into death because there was suddenly an understanding of an eternal truth in spite of what I was seeing in the natural. In Hebrews 6 verse 9 it says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. Why? It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. And what Paul is saying, if you wrote Hebrews, what Paul is saying, you cannot engage with hope from a religious perspective. It is a privileged position. That's what it is. It's not a religious kind of... Sweet by and by. It's a privileged position in the holy of holies, right in his presence. And it's not for one day when I die, it's now. Every moment of every day to live in that position that he places us. Because hope is not optimism. Optimism has everything to do with psychology, and I'm not having a go at psychology, but optimism is everything to do with psychology. Hope has everything to do with theology. Optimism is about human understanding or human kind of, no, it's going to get better, man. Yay. It's going to get better. We'll fake it till we make it. Optimism. Hope is all about God revelation so deep, and it comes from the very source of the throne room. And because it's from there, hope faces real- realities head-on. doesn't fudge it. Faces realities head-on. But it believes. It believes. And it holds on with faith and love. That's what hope is all about. And they're realities for all of us at times of devastation. They're realities of disappointments that come to all of us. They're realities of times that we have more questions than answers. But in it all, I am anchored by the God of hope. Not just a concept, I'm anchored by the God of hope. And he, in spite of all these devastations, in spite of all these disappointments, in spite of all these questions, he holds me steady and he brings his perspective, his eternal perspective. He brings his peace and he anchors this little mind in his good and glorious hope because he is the God of all hope. And so I am done with trying to be optimistic. And we are living in a country where we need solid hope. Solid, solid hope that we can look at situations, but we're held by the God of hope. And so we stand in this land and we go, I'm here for such a time as this. And the God of hope is in and with me in spite of the devastations and the questions and all the rest of it and the disappointments. I'm here in the God of hope, holding me. It's not on saliva, on salat And so hope transforms us. Now, if you're going to a far land, just relax. I'm not having a go at you. I live in Manchester as well. All right? But I think we've got to be, we've got to be held by the God of hope wherever we are, wherever we are. Otherwise, we start believing in this. The grass is greener on the other side. It is not. It is not greener on the other side. And so hope changes. I want to give you just these three things in closing that I've seen in my own life. That hope changes our perspective. Changes our perspective. And Zechariah 9 verses 11 to 12, I'd love for us to just look at this. This is in the Old Testament, but it says, as for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you. Isn't that an amazing prophetic statement? In Zechariah, the blood of the covenant was through Jesus. Because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from a waterless pit. Wow. Dry and devastated. And return to your fortresses, you, I love this, you prisoners of hope. Even now, I announce that I will, this is good news, I will restore twice as much. It's called a double portion. Anybody need a double portion? Me too. And this was written to Jews who were in exile. And if we look at the world that we're living in at the moment, there is such spiritual and emotional and even physical exile in this world that we're living in. And so many people are in the waterless pit. They are desperate for a drink. The devastation is when I find people who know Jesus who are in the waterless pit. That's not where we are meant to be but it is so often that people are thirsting and we're thirsting for living water. And I love the fact that the Lord says to us, I'm gonna take you out of the pit. I'm gonna put you in position of my fortress that gives you an elevated view of what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. I'm taking you from the pit to position. That's what God is saying to you and I, that we are no longer prisoners of our circumstances and situations But we're prisoners of hope. Prisoners of hope. I'm happy to be that kind of prisoner. It's a good place. I'm hemmed in. Way to keep me silent. Prisoners of hope. And beloved, to become a prisoner of hope is a choice. You can stay in the waterless pit where you can choose that strong tower. We have to choose that. And if you've heard me speak before, you've heard me say every decision you make determines the direction that you walk in and the destiny that you reach. But we have to make that choice, to lift our gaze higher and to be able to see further. Why? Because I'm changed. By the living God, who's at work today. And so hope changes perspective. Hope gets us ready. an anticipation of something to come. The farmer plants his seed, then he waits, expectant for that crop. The mummy who's pregnant, she waits in anticipation. Tiptoe of expectation. And as prisoners of hope, we cannot be passive. There is a collaboration with heaven, with the God of hope. It's not some passive thing that we sit back. Hope is extremely active, along with faith and love. And there's an incredible story. I love the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 40. And there was Joseph, this amazing man. And for what, you know, because I don't want to go over too long. and Blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be invited back. But here was Joseph, you know, he, ha- he has this phenomenal dream when he's a kid. Remember the story? But not, but not much wisdom. Really, really not much wisdom. So he just blots it out. And of course, then the ramifications of that becomes Billy No-Mates along the way. But wherever he's put, there's favor on him. So Potiphar's house, there's favor on him. Then the naughty lady starts telling skabango stories. And he lands up in prison. And even in prison, his favor upon him. And suddenly he's sitting in this, and he was just so normal and so human. You know, sometimes we kind of make it all nice and sweet. And he must have thought, Did I hear God right? Did I interpret that right way, way back? Many centuries ago? I'm not going <laughs> to. That's from the musical. And all of a sudden, into the scenario, two blokes have dreams. And suddenly he finds himself in a position where he has to interpret the dreams. The cupbearer and the baker. (laughs) How do you tell them those kind of stories? For you, sweetheart, favor upon favor upon favor. For you, you better phone doves. (laughs) You're on your way out. And then they forgot about him, and he was still sitting in prison. And suddenly, there is that suddenly. The cupbearer remembers who he is, and Joseph moves into the position that all that time had been shaping him for. And the God of all hope had been with him from way, way back, and suddenly he becomes a reformer. In Egypt, a major reformer in Egypt. He's a prince in the land. But we need to also look at the fact that even though there was favor on him, there was famine in the land. So it wasn't just the lack of situation he was in, but faith and hope and love gets us ready for what God wants to do in and through us. And our response to this God of hope is, God, I'm preparing. I'm preparing my actions. I'm preparing my attitude. And I'm, in, I'm getting myself aligned for the suddenlies that you may bring into my life. It doesn't look like it's coming too fast, but I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready because I trust the God of hope. And the third thing is that this is so exciting for me, that hope Changes generations. I've never had kids of my own, but I tell you, I've got loads of spiritual kids. Loads. There's Boyke down here, who I honor and respect so much. I used to lead worship in the good old days, and Julian used to do the overhead (laughs) projector. That's how he started his ministry, folks. Transparencies. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's true. And my goodness, I salute what God is doing in and through you and Katia. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Amazing to see. But hope changes generations. Have a look at Hebrews 11, verse 13. It says, all these people still living by faith when they died, like my two darling friends. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. I want you to do something with me. Would you mind? If you're right-handed, just raise your right hand like this. I'm not going to ask for your toilets. Or if you're left-handed, your left hand. And I want you to just wave. Just wave like that. Just look ahead and Wave. Just lift your heads a bit and wave. I know it looks absolutely bonkers, but just do it. This is what you're doing right now. You're waving at the promises still to come through generations. Keep waving. Keep waving at those promises that are going to be released through you, through your kids, through your spiritual kids, through your grandkids, through your great grandkids. Promises, keep waving at them. We see you promises. We're strangers and aliens doing weird and wonderful things right now. If you're a visitor, don't be, don't be, don't be put off. I'm leaving soon but we wave at the promises. What does that mean? Hope gives a legacy, beloved. The God of hope is all about legacy. And so if we go back to that story of Joseph, if we look at Genesis 41, so he becomes this guy of influence in Egypt and he brings about reformation and transformation. He's he's, um, looking after all the affairs of Egypt and suddenly his brothers come. You know the stories, the story. And so there's his brother and his father. And then it was the tribe. And then it was the nation of Israel. An incredible legacy that he had. And the question I need to ask myself as I ask you, as we look to this God of hope, is what are we running after? I am so fed up with people running after my ministry. Forgive me if you've been using that language. Actually, no, don't forgive me. We need to be those who are running hard after him and being able to say, Lord, I thank you for my position right now. I know you as the God of hope. I've got this baton for a while and I'm going to give it to others, the generations to come. I'm going to be cheering them on. I'm going to be holding them up. I'm not leaving the team. I'm still part of the team. But I thank you for generations, and I'm chasing God after you and being able to be one of those who invites others to follow this God of hope. You see, God's promises are not just for me and to me, they are through me. Not just for me and to me. Love it. I love. You know, getting blessed by God. It's the best thing. Seriously. I get really, and this true confessions get really hacked off when other people get promises and I don't. You know? You want to get in behind them, just in case they're the wrong person and I'm the right one. I do. I love. I love the promises of God. But they need to be flowing through me to others, the God of all hope. And when we begin, thank you. And I have, as I was preparing this yesterday, I felt this And you may not agree, but I'm going to hold to it anyway. Hope has very little, if anything, to do with outcome, but rather trusting what God is about. Think about it. Hope has very little, or if anything, to do with outcome. See, we love outcome. I love outcome. But if we are going to begin to understand the God of hope, there is far more I am trusting what God is about. I may not be able to see it, but I trust him, and he is the God of hope, and I'm held and anchored in that, and nothing is going to hold me back, and I'm a co-laborer with with him in every situation. It's not about wishful thinking, but it's about an anchored and an absolute theology, and that's what God wants us to get a hold of about hope. And in closing, I just want to read some scriptures from one Peter. Incredible story about Peter, this man who, you know, phenomenal things happened to him. He was such a naughty boy. And then he got his life right, and there was the outpouring of God. We know the story. These scriptures are written when Peter was in a place where people were scorning their faith, criticized for their morality, and mocked for their hope. Peter was in jail. And he writes this in 1 Peter 1 verses 3 and 4. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into what? A living hope. Expectation beyond situation going on here. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. The inheritance of now and eternity that can never perish nor spoil or fade isn't that amazing i want that kind of i want that kind of inheritance from the god who is the living hope and then in 1 peter 1 verse 13 therefore prepare your mind prepare how you think deeply prepare your understanding prepare your imagination actually what it's saying for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on grace, on the grace, the unmerited, the outrageous favor to be given to you when Christ is revealed. And that revelation of Christ is not just someday, every day. When Christ is revealed every day in me, One fear we should have, and maybe you've heard me say this, and I really hold myself to this every day. I do not want to become a professional Christian. Done that, been there, and bought the T-shirt. That I hold to a form of godliness, but I deny all the power thereof. And my goodness, I have to watch that every day in my life. The revelation of Christ every day, new every morning. And the final scripture is 1 Peter 1 verse 21. Through him, through him, you believe, you trust in God, you raised him from the dead, that's faith, and glorified him so that your faith and hope, where are they? In God. What a blessed assurance.